What is going on, Wisconsin sports fans? This is the Cheese Dad Sports Podcast finally back. It's been about three weeks since we've been able to record just me and McQuaid. And I am Robin, the host of or the host of the Cheese Dad uh, Sports Podcast and co-owner of Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Gridiron Heroics. McQuaid, glad to be back. The other co-host of the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast, as well as co-owners of Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Gridiron Heroics. We have a lot to talk about in this episode because there's a lot going on. We got the Packers, of course. We have the Badgers on fire under Jim Leonard. And finally, the Bucks are back in regular season action. So... Let's start off with the Wisconsin Badgers. Big win over Purdue today. Now they are 4-4, four and four, and I believe 2-0 and oh under Jim Leonard. Is that right, McQuaid? Uh, I think they lost against Michigan State, right? So maybe 2-1. and one, oh, That's or, right. That's one. right. 2-1. and one. Um, But we have seen a, a real difference in this team um, since Jim Leonard took over. I think at least just in the sense of letting the offense – uh, quote-unquote rip more often than not, throw the ball downfield, um, get their playmakers involved other than their running backs. Um, I think that, that you know, there may, may be a little bit of, I don't know if concern is the right word, but just a, a, a such a defensive mastermind transitioning from defensive coordinator to head coach if that would correlate into a better offense or not. And so far, early returns are very successful for this uh, for this team. Yeah, Graham Mertz looks very good. I would go as far to say he's the best quarterback we've seen since uh, Russell Wilson. In a bad that is not, not granted that yes, as you are just saying, it's not that hard to be the best <laughs> quarterback since Russell Wilson. However, the Badgers have had several players uh, leave the program since the firing of Paul Christ. But Leonard has rallied the troops, and it looks good. It looks good. So let's talk about some of these performances here. Let's uh, start out with the head coaching performance, Jim Leonard. McQuaid, what do you think is the main difference in this team now under Leonard than there was under Christ? I think the biggest thing, right, has it, got to be kind of what I what I alluded to. The, the defense still looks on point. Even – even against uh, um, the game they lost against Michigan State, you know the defense for for the most part, I think they only gave up twenty or four, yeah, twenty one um, regular period for, for, through the first four quarters points. Um, against Northwestern, they only gave up seven points, and against Purdue, they really only gave up uh, let's be honest, ten points. There was fourteen points in kind of garbage time at the end of that game to make it look closer than it was. But the defense has looked on point the way that you expect it to with Jim Leonard as your head coach. However, the offense, they're letting it rip. They're letting grammars roll out of the pocket. They're getting play action involved. They're getting wide receivers in the passing game involved more so than I think maybe we ever saw with Paul Chris. And I, only, I understand it's only been three games. But in these these three games with Jim Leonard, we've seen grammars throw for five touchdowns against Northwestern. I believe it was one or two against Northwestern and another one or two today. So he's thrown for – Darn near 10 touchdowns in three games, Graham Mertz has. That's something you would never see with Paul Chris. So 
the uh, the passing game is getting more involved than we've seen in a long time. He had two touchdowns today, and it is interesting that we're seeing it more because Marcus Allen has transferred out. Granted, he was not having a great season to begin with, at least in my opinion. And it seemed like he was kind of a locker room problem. And after... Marcus Allen, Wisconsin quarterback? Uh, I he, don't know. You're talking about the, the quarterback or the, or the, or the running the back? Wide re, the wide receiver. Oh, got it, got it. My bad, my bad. Okay, got it. Good to go. Yeah, the wide receiver. And Leonard said, you know, you can get on board with us or you can get out. And he was one of the guys that got out. Yep, yep. So very interesting seeing that happen. It was uh, surprising that they had gotten him in the first place because he is very strongly being recruited to Michigan who wanted him very badly in the first place. So I am assuming that we will see him again in big 10 play in a Michigan uniform. I hope that we can show him he made the wrong decision, but granted that he is on offense and our defense is looking on point. Hope I think that we will. And speaking of defense, I would like to bring up John Torchio a senior safety who may be playing himself into an NFL draft spot, in my opinion. He had two interceptions today, giving him three on the season. A pick six today, which was his second pick six on the year. In the first game of the season, or was it the second game? I don't remember. He returned an interception 100 yards for a touchdown, and he returned another one today over 40 yards, close to 50 yards for a touchdown as well. And that's the kind of leadership on defense, the kind of smart plays that will get you a day-two draft profile. Not only is he intercepting passes, but he is consistently the leading tackler on this defense. He had 10 tackles today. Um, excuse me. He is consistently his name is consistently being brought up as one of the better defenders for Wisconsin um, on the field. He's showing up week in and week out. These 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 pick sixes and these interceptions are those kind of splash plays that ESPN loves to show and that we love to talk about. But he is doing the gritty work that the leading the leading the team in tackles almost on a, on a weekly basis. Um, he is most certainly playing himself into a a draft spot. Um, just two two weeks ago, he had almost two sacks against Northwestern, one point five to be exact. He's doing it everywhere um, across on the defense side of the ball, I should say. And uh, if there is a person that that will be drafted in this year's draft higher than normal, it will be uh, Torchio uh, going into the twenty twenty three NFL draft. Once again, the Jim Leonard effect on defense. You know, Wisconsin is known as offensive line and running back you, but let's not forget the reigning defensive player of the year in the NFL, T.J. Watt, is a Wisconsin product. So is J.J. Watt. We have some good defenders on this team. And if Leonard sticks as head coach, which I think he will, there are going to be a lot more defensive players seen NFL time, in my opinion. 
because of how good of a coach he is. Interestingly enough, and a lot of people don't realize this, he's a Mike Pettin product. He played for Mike Pettin for most of his NFL career, either as a head coach or defensive coordinator. We and we have to remember that that Mike Pettin, prior to taking the Green Bay defensive coordinator position, had nothing but success in this league. When he was in the defensive coordinator for, I believe it was the Jets, and maybe one new season for the Bills. I believe that was the two trademark seasons he had, or, or the two trademark destinations he had. Consistently, consistently, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that. Well. Let's not say that his head coaching experience with the Browns was a success. No, strictly, strictly just defensive coordinator time. We'll 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 stick to that. But okay, it was I believe it was early. It was late two thousands, maybe early two thousand tens, when it was the Darrell Revis led New York Jets defense, and and those you know that those those times, um, those are some darn darn good defenses. And Mike Penn was at the center of it. Now I understand well, him, him. Rex Ryan was a defensive coach too i think i feel like he was a defensive-minded head coach i have a hard time distinguishing how much of that was mike Pettin and how much of that was rex ryan very true very true i think that's a very solid point but you your point stands he was a very good defensive coach and even in green bay his defenses statistically were top 10 most of the time yep but let's just say that his time as an advisor with the Bears and now the Vikings has been less than stellar, and I am very thankful for that. Yeah, I think they. What was what, what was he hired as specifically? A, a, a defensive defensive advisor, I think. Defensive advisor for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, and and it was brought up. Um, I think maybe a week or two, a couple weeks ago, when Jim Leonard got the interim head coaching position that that he was actually he actually turned down a, a an offer to be the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers or at least the interview for it he said that he wants to be at the college level this is where he he feels he belongs um and I feel like if he for whatever reason does not get the head coaching job at Wisconsin which I think is going to happen but if it doesn't I think it could uh propel uh Jim Leonard into that NFL coaching type of um you know, stratosphere, and if that happens, then maybe Green Bay take, takes a flyer on him and see if he wants to come in for an interview. However, I think Wisconsin would be silly to let him go as not the head coach, at least give an opportunity. If you want to promote from within and and try to show the, show your employees that if you value what they bring to the table, you cannot pass up an opportunity to at least give Jim, Jim Leonard a chance. He has done everything under the sun to earn that position, and if he if they don't give it to even if it even if it blows up and it's a horrible mistake, if you don't give him the opportunity, I don't know what you're saying to your other employees to show that you can really grow from within the organization. I think that's one of the biggest things when it comes to Jim Leonard. I agree, but I feel like Chris McIntosh, as the AD, a former Badger himself, mm-hmm. is going to follow your line of thinking that you promote from within because that is just what Wisconsin does. For better yep. or for worst. So yep. there's the Badgers. Four and four. It's kind of, you know, maybe we'll get a bowl game. Maybe we won't. But the key thing here is how do they play under Jim Leonard? I think we can all agree on that. 
Let's move on to some Milwaukee Brewers talk very quickly. The Brewers are done, of course. They have some needs in the offseason, namely catcher. I don't want to see no Omar Narvaez back. Third base, Luis Orias isn't an everyday third baseman. And dear God, let us get some defense in left field. Which brings me to Christian Yelich, who got a Gold Glove nomination for left field. And this is such a farce in how they nominate people for Gold Gloves. This is so dumb. Christian Yelich has a negative defensive rating in every metric on defense. There is no stat out there. Like you couldn't you can't even invent a stat that says he's a good defensive left fielder. I mean my four year old can throw a ball farther than this man. And he gets nominated for a, a gold glove. Absolutely ridiculous. And the only reason why he was nominated in the first place is because he is one of just three left fielders to put in 1,000 innings of defense this year in left field. Bring me back to the day where they would just nominate three general outfielders for gold glove. The reason they stopped doing that was because center fielders won the gold glove all the time. Three center fielders would win it. I don't care. Bring me back to that day because Christian Yelich being nominated for a gold glove in 2022 is stupid. You know, we are, what, what, four years removed from him winning the NL MVP? And now we are scoffing at the nomination of a, you know, gold glove award? That well, you know, he is was really MVP yeah. because he was leading the league in batting average and cranking 40 home runs a year, not because he was a good defender. Or because he had had to be moved to the leadoff position because he couldn't handle it or he couldn't wasn't producing at the cleanup position. It's just it's 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 really disheartening to see. I don't know if fall off is the right term, but maybe fall off is the right term for Christian Yelich to see in the last four years. And you know, he well he he signed that that ten year contract, right? He brings us brings him through twenty twenty seven with the Milwaukee Brewers or or something close to that. Hopefully. Hopefully in the next five years or so he turns around with Milwaukee. But man, that 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 contract, that whole situation really just seems like a bummer for Milwaukee. Well, right now. you know, I was thinking about this today. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, when he won MVP and when he was playing at an MVP level in twenty nineteen, probably still should have won it, even though he missed the last three weeks to a month of the season. He was making less than $8 million a year for an MVP, like should have been two-time MVP. That's a steal. Yep. The way that I view this contract is we're paying him back what we should have been paying him for his MVP seasons. I mean, mean, yeah. The, the salary cap is, is what it is, and the owner is a cheapskate, and we'll use that as an excuse. 
until the day he sells the team, which is a day that can't come soon enough. You know that I consistently, when I talk to my friends, talk to people, I consistently refer to what you have said to me in the past. And I say that Mark Anastasio is one of the cheapest owners in the in the MLB, if not the cheapest owners. And the main reason why is because this man, quote unquote, said he broke the bank for paying what? Andrew McCutcheon, $11 million, $10 million? Something like that. Something Whatever it was. He, he broke... Meanwhile, we have people out there paying I just a lot more than $11 million for players that are a lot better than Andrew McCutcheon at this point in his career. And I don't know where Milwaukee goes with this type of owner choosing to spend this type of money. Um, very, very, very disheartening at times. Yeah, I mean, it's why Josh Hader got traded, even though they'll deny it till they're blue in the face that it wasn't about money. It was. And it's going to be why it's going to be why Corbin Burns gets traded. It won't happen. Don't happen. And it might be why Brandon Woodruff gets traded of the two. I think Woody is the more likely to stay with Milwaukee. But Corbin Burns is going to get a lot of money on the free agent market, helped by his own Gold Glove nomination this season, his first Gold Glove nomination of his career. And frankly, he deserves it, certainly deserves it more than Yelich does. I don't think think he's going to win Cy Young this year. There have been... Plenty of NL pitchers that have put up good numbers. Burns, I believe, did lead the league in strikeouts. However, the Brewers did not make the playoffs, and there are others with more flashy stats than Burns. I think that Burns had a great year, uh, but it, yeah, it wasn't up to, to what it was last year. Um, not that Burns fell off, but just in the sense of the, the Cy Young uh, race. Um, but y- y- you really, you really break my heart when you say that Milwaukee isn't gonna isn't gonna sign uh, Corbin Burns. Not because you're wrong, but because you're probably right, and and we're gonna have to say goodbye to, to Corbin Burns. You know, who do who we signed? Um, uh, Aaron, Aaron Ashby. Ashby. Yeah, Aaron and, Ashby. This uh, Freddie Peralta. And we, what, okay, honest opinion. Do you think we're going to get rid of both Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns in the, in the near future? In the near future. Honestly, I feel like we trade Burns and keep Woodruff. I mean, I, I'm not mad about keeping Woodruff. I love Woodruff. However, I don't know if we keep both. I don't know if we, I don't know if we pay Woodruff. Oh, it's, it's certainly not guaranteed at all. I just feel like Woodruff is a little bit older. He's 31 years old. This is going to be his really his own his only major contract that he gets. And we, we have we have seen we have seen the the Brewers punt or, or, or I guess you say Josh Hader is, is is the biggest. We we have seen the city of Milwaukee cherish what the Milwaukee Bucks did two seasons ago, 2021, when they won the championship. Me and you have talked about this before. If they invest into a team and pay players, the amount of money that comes in return 
is absurd. Absolutely absurd. And that's what I think Mark Anastasio is missing or doesn't care about or whatever. I do not like Mark Anastasio. Agreed. It's just... It's frustrating. It's frustrating that they just refuse to spend the money and it you know he's spending money on a british soccer team instead of investing in in the milwaukee brewers and i don't know if there's more money to be made in soccer as an owner than in major league baseball i mean maybe soccer's pretty big internationally it's just frustrating as a brewers fan knowing how much the city has poured into the team knowing that it is not cheap to go to a Brewers game and the working class people of Milwaukee still, you know, rank in the top 10 of attendance every season. Give us a break, man. I mean, I know that he didn't do this, but Sal Bando let Paul Molitor walk. We've been through hell. Bring us a World Series. I mean, come on. I'm struggling not to swear right now because just the thought of it just boils my blood. It's just give me give me some kind of hope. The mid Midwest, right? I, 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 and I know in Illinois and Michigan and, and Minnesota, they're all our rival, right? But but the Midwest in general, they are some die hard sports fans. You put a winning team on the field, on the court, on the diamond, no matter what it is, and fans will come in waves. And we have seen that repeatedly. And it is frustrating to see ownership do what and, and we talked about it, we talked about it on this podcast. We talked about how not only did Mark Anastasio but you you know sign off or or look the other way or whatever it was for this Josh Hader trade. But then after it happened, he blamed and he threw the the manager and 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 the the uh, the entire front it? office under the bus. And he's like, well, threw I all under the bus. I wasn't the one that made the choice. And like, yeah. dude, I wouldn't okay. pay him, but it wasn't my decision to trade him. Yep. Okay. Very true. Oh my god! I, 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 it's extremely frustrating, and we gotta see, we gotta see. I hope we see a change in the next, in the next five years or so. Yeah. Oh, just angers me. All right, let's get off of this topic before I just lose it. Uh, let's talk about the Packers real quick. We got some stuff we need to talk about here. Um, there was a controversy on Friday. The Packers players dared dance on the field during warm-up. McQuaid, don't you know that the only reason to be happy is if you're winning? And if you have lost two games in a row, you need to shudder in shame and not take anything lightly and... Uh, social media was all over this thing. I mean, there were some players or some people that were like, yeah, it's good to see. I mean, they need to loosen up. They need to have fun because this is what the team is missing. They're not having fun. Head coach Matt LaFleur even said, we need to start having fun because that is how we're going to win games. But then you had the armchair quarterbacks and the armchair head coaches saying like, we've lost two games in a row. We can only dance if we're winning. 
Yeah, it was Come social on. media. Social media is your best friend, also the worst nightmare for any almost any scenario. And this is another example. Um anyone with the right head on 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 their shoulder is gonna know that when you see this, you're you're gonna know that they're going into a week. They're going into Sunday. These are players. These are men who have worked their entire lives to get where they are right now, right? And not only are they have they done that, but they are working toward the next guy. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if you're Kingsley and Igbari. You are working to that next contract. You're working to that next payday. And you are going to do that by playing your best football on the field every given Sunday. So if you have a chance to, to, to have fun, to have an opportunity to go out there, show your personality, show that you can vibe and you can connect with your teammates on any given day, on any given practice, that is what you want this team to do. You don't want them to be serious 24-7 because no work environment. If you're listening to this right now and you're in a work environment where you never, ever joke around with your coworkers or never tell jokes or never, you are either lying or you have a miserable work experience every time you go to work. Because and nobody is- likes you at work. Exactly. You and are the nobody one. likes you. Also, the video that we are referencing was during their stretches, during their warm-ups. It's not like they were in the middle of a practice play, just breaking out in dance like on some Glee episode. No, no. This was during <laughs> stretches, during warm-ups. Seriously, people, if you are so worked up about the Packers' little two-game losing streak, or if you are so worked up about worked up about the Packers struggling that you cannot enjoy your life and that you're going to put other people down for finding a little bit of joy in their work, you need to get a life and get away from sports because you take it way too seriously and your spouse probably hates you. (laughs) I like that last comment. That was good. That was good. And if you don't have a spouse, that's probably why. I think that that very, very, very good point. But we're gonna get to us a little, little more uh, serious topics right now. What do you make of not only David Bakhtiari being placed on the inju- on the on the injury report, but the significant change in wide receivers right prior to what feels like a must-win game against the second-string quarterback Tyler Henneke and the Washington Commanders. I think that David Bakhtiari being on the injury report is not a surprise. I'm also not too worried about it. I think that he played... I mean, I don't think. I know he played extremely well against the Jets. I was at the game. I saw it. I saw him throw a dude to the ground. He's fine. But... You know, these ACL injuries, this knee, they're all different in that people are whining about how long it takes to recover from something, have never suffered an injury in their life. And if they have, they have been one of the blessed few who have not had to deal with the setbacks that come with some major injuries. I mean, I'm a guy who has suffered several concussions in his life. For various reasons. 
I remember a Brewers third baseman, Corey Koski, who suffered one after slipping. And he never played again because of the side effects of the concussion. I am not a better athlete than Corey Koski. I could never do what he accomplished in his life, in his career. David Bakhtiari tore his ACL. And then there was fluid. And he needed another procedure. And then he needed another procedure. And he's coming back, not from that initial injury. He's coming back from that third procedure on his knee. The fact that he was able to play at all right now is amazing. So he's day-to-day. He's questionable. If he plays, I'll be ecstatic. If he doesn't play, I won't be worried. I'll be happy that the Packers are being conservative and looking at the long-term picture as opposed to armchair GM who would have traded a five-time Pro Bowler last year i think that they, i'm gonna look it up on my, on my phone right now and live is doing this podcast can do it but um trent williams is is one of the most one of the best uh off left tackles in the league and he is 34 34 years old that's three more years of david bacciari playing extremely well and in this offense right david bacciari is i believe 30 31 I believe so you whatever whatever you know notion there is that he is not good or he's getting old or or what have you right David Bach or Trent Williams arguably the best left tackle in the league at least one of them is three four years older than David Bacciari is right now so give Bacciari a chance to get back to full health give him a chance to show that he can be the left tackle that he has been his entire career Right, and then and then let him play out his contract. I understand he's making a bunch of money. The injury report is going to be there. We just got to accept that the injury report is going to have Dave Bacciari's name on it every once in a while. Just here, just going forward, it's going to happen, right? But don't don't slaughter the guy for it. He's been through hell to get back on the field. He's going to continue to go through hell to stay on the field. And he has, we are seeing living proof right now of a tackle playing at an extremely high level who is three or four years older than Dave Bacciari is right now, give him that chance. And the fact of the matter is, is that by the time that David Bacciari's contract is up, he'll be mid-level moneymaker at left tackle. I mean, he signed the richest contract at left tackle at the time it was signed, but the way that the salary cap is going, he'll be like maybe top 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's top 15. By the time He's it's all be, said and done. We're talking about the salary cap jumping 20 to $30 million per year in the next few years. Like, we're, we're talking about serious. Ser- so, I mean, and that, and that that can bring us into the whole Aaron Rodgers contract debate and, and all that stuff and the dead money that we're going to accumulate no matter what happens. But, but man, it is, it is shocking to see how much this cap hit is going to jump in the next few years. But yes, I agree. Whatever we are paying David Bacciari right now, in a year or two, is going to be negligible to what the NFL pays the top left tackle. Heck, it could be negligible to what we're going to pay Elton Jenkins next year or this offseason. Now, granted, Elton Jenkins has not played the best at the right tackle position, so maybe he may, maybe he hasn't earned that tackle money 
that he was hoping to earn that we all thought he would earn. Uh, and maybe that, that creates kind of a contract scenario, contract debate between his agent and the Packers about wanting to get paid like a tackle, but only only Green Bay only willing to pay like a guard. That could play in, that could play a role. But in the event the Green Bay does pay him like a tackle, it will be more than what Dave Bacciari is currently currently making. And uh, that's something to look out for in the future. I think that Elton Jenkins is going to play for the Green Bay Packers next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he has an Alan Lazard situation where he signs a one-year deal as a restricted free agent and they work something else out uh, next season or the se- or in the next offseason. But he's not playing for another team next year. However, it is. I think of all the prospective free agents that the Packers have, that is going to be the most messy contract situation that they have coming up. I mean, yep. the guy can do just about anything on the offensive line. He deserves to be paid. He's not playing well right now, but he is coming back from a major knee injury. It it could take him till the end of the season to be playing his best football, but isn't that when you want him to play his best football? So let's just keep him out there. I would rather see him at guard than tackle. I think that's where he's best. But we'll see what happens. And to answer your other question, wide receiver, losing Randall Cobb hurts. Aside from Alan Lazard, he's the wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers trusts the most. However, they are getting Sammy Watkins back. So that helps. I do think that wide receiver depth is an issue. Juwan Winfrey is your number five right now, and that does not make me very excited. That being said, I don't think they need to go out and get a number one wide receiver. I think they just need to go out and get someone reliable, someone who will catch. I don't think you're going to get a DJ Moore or an OBJ or anything like that. Just get someone who will play like preseason Juwan Winfrey. Not regular season, Juwan Winfrey. You know what? You know what, Robin? Uh, I may, I may get judged for this, but I'm going the complete opposite direction of you. I am pushing the 100% panic mode on the waters here position for the Packers. I say go out and sign Will Fuller. I say trade for Fuller. Will Fuller has played seven games in the last three years. But you think that? But how many lower body injuries has Will Fuller had in the last eighteen months? Zero. This many. I, I'm holding up a zero right now. Zero amount. Zero, zero, zero lower body injuries for Will Fuller. I say go out and trade for DJ yeah. Moore. And you know what's going to happen? The first time Aaron Rodgers gives him the death glare, he's going to break his finger. It might just from might. looking at Aaron Rodgers. We're going to sign him for like eight hundred thousand dollars, and it's going to be a zero risk, zero. Zero risk, maybe some gain opportunity. I think yeah, that some we gain need in practice before he pulls a hammy. But let me let me go into it, right? <laughs> let me go into it. Right? I think that we don't get Christian Washington back for another four weeks or significant amount of time. Christian Washington is done for the immediate future. I think that Sammy Watkins is not going to last oh, more I, than a game. I agree with that. More, more than a game or two. We are clearly out Randall Cobb for four weeks, at least two to four six. weeks. Two to six. That leaves us. That leaves us – well, he plays on IR today, so at least four Oh, weeks. four, yeah. That, that leaves us 
Romeo Dubs, who I love 100. I think every, all Packer Nation does, and Al Mazard, who I also love. That is two good wide receivers. Why right? I think that Robert Tanyan showed some some great uh, progress in this last game against the yeah, New York he Jets. did. He set the team record for receptions by a t- for by a he, tight end. That's more however, than good progress. I think that this team should be in full panic mode for the wide receiver position. Oh, go goodness. out and trade for DJ. You know what? Go out. No, no, no you're wrong. You know what? They should be in full panic mode because their dumb butts won't give Aaron Jones the freaking ball. 25 times. Give him the ball 25 times. Seriously. DJ Moore and Elijah Moore, Randall Cobb, or excuse me, Alan Lazard and Romeo Dubs. Those four wide receivers on this team would be damaged. Do it now. Sacrifice your draft picks to give Aaron Rodgers one more sue before he retires. No. The only draft pick, the now. only draft pick the Packers should ever trade is their third round pick because they suck at picking in the 100%. third round. Oh, you're you're so correct. You're so correct. so. If we can, you know what? I'll you know what? I'll join with you on the DJ Moore, Elijah Moore train. If we can trade one third round pick for one and another third round pick for another, sure, I don't care. Or you know what? Let's give away our next ten third round picks, five for each of them. Just get us out of the stupid third round because we suck at picking in the third round. What was our last good third round pick? Wasn't it Morgan Burnett in 2010 or something like that? Something like that. that. I mean, legitimately, I, I, wrote, I wrote an article a few months ago about the third round curse. Man, wild. absolutely wild. So, so yes, we are. We are on a. We are at least in the general direction of of semi concern slash panic about the wider receivers in for Green Bay, but I don't think there's 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 a chance to correct it. Yeah. Well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree about the wide receiver thing. I think Aaron Jones is the answer to everything. All right, McQuaid, real quick. Let me get your opinion on the Milwaukee Bucks. If the Milwaukee Bucks do not win the championship in 2022-2023, I will be significantly disappointed. This team is looks hot. Hot as they can be in the first two games of the season, and they do not have Chris Middleton yet, who will take a few months. I do not expect a vintage Chris Middleton performance until, okay, right now we're in middle of October, right? Maybe it's, it's beginning of November till we get uh, Chris Middleton back. I do not expect a vintage, full vintage, great Chris Middleton until beginning of December, Give them a month to get back, get acclimated to the to the game again. Blah 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 blah. We are going to see a vintage Giannis, Drew, Holiday, and Chris Middleton entering December on a team that is already two games in. I get it, two games out of eighty-two, right? Of of a of a of an eighty-two game season that looks great with Brooke Lopez as their third best player when we all know that Chris Middleton is their second best player on the team when he is healthy. This team deserves to be in the championship category. They should be in the championship conversation, and they should win another championship this year with Chris Middleton being his vintage self, which will happen in a month or so. And I don't think there's many teams out there that can stop them. I think that Golden State 
they're going to be a threat to repeat, of course. I do not see a team in the East competing for them with a fully healthy squad. And uh, it's going to be a big year. It's going to be a big year for the Milwaukee Bucks and Deer District. You know, I want to agree with just about everything except for the supremely disappointed if they don't win because I think it's incredibly hard to win an NBA title. But you're right that, you know, if we are going going into the season, I, I would tell people that if the Milwaukee Bucks were in the four, five, or six seed when Chris Middleton came back, the East better watch out because they were going to get real good real fast. But if they're going to be one, two, or three in the East when Middleton comes back, they are going to run away with it. And so far, they are showing that they are a phenomenal team even without Chris Middleton. Giannis put, put in 44 points tonight in 28 minutes. 28 minutes. And can we mention Carter, Javon Carter? He is playing. He has turned into an actual player on this team, like like legitimate. I, 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 and Grayson Allen? You know what? You know what? If the Milwaukee – okay, okay, okay. I'm going to say it right now. If the Milwaukee Bucks do not win – the 2022-2023 NBA season, I'm going to get whatever haircut Robin deems that I get after the season is over. Ooh. I'm saying that after two games in the regular season, okay? I don't know. Your current one's bad enough. I might have you get that one again. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. I like my haircut, but hey, if you want to make it the same, make it the same. I am so confident in this year's 2022-2023 Milwaukee Bucks that we are going to bet a haircut on it. We are going to win it all this year. I think we are, too. I'm just saying I know how hard it is to win a championship, and I'm not going to, you know, bail on them or be depressed for eight months like some other people are if they fall short. I mean, there are, what, 30 teams in the NBA? Only one can come out on top. But I do feel like this is a special season. I do feel like we got a special group of guys. I think that Javon Carter is very good. I don't think he played very well tonight. You know, the Bucks have made the decision to start him in place of Chris Middleton, and he scored zero points tonight in 25 minutes, 0 for 4 from the floor. Provided some great defense, of course, but, you know, if you're going to start for a three-time All-Star, I would expect at least 10, uh, ten, please. Maybe two, or maybe that's too much to ask for for that, but that, I, that was mean. He's a solid role player, certainly a lot better than I could do in that role, so I shouldn't be so quick to judge. But that being said, that just goes to show you how much better the starting lineup is going to be once Chris Middleton returns. I mean, we blew out the Rockets by 20, and one of our starters scored zero points. This is going to be a team that has a real chance to make history this year. And we're going to next season, or next week, excuse me, next game on a Wednesday night against the Brooklyn Nets. 
who are going to come in with with Kevin Durant and 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 all their 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 players. It's going to be a good game. I expect to dominate that game. I expect this team to go on and win the championship. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it. They're going to win championship this year. I'm going to do it. Well, the Nets have not been very good. Nope, nope, they have not been. And we were talking in our writers chat. Some one of our writers said they that he thought that they would go all the way. That the Nets were going to come out of the East. That no one can stop Kevin Durant and all of them. But the Nets have really struggled. They're one and one. They they lost on opening their opening game to the Pelicans. Blowout one thirty to one oh eight, and then they barely beat Toronto one oh nine to one oh five. I don't know. I don't know if the if the Nets are it, and I love it. I think they, I think that, that it's going to be you know Boston and Milwaukee competing for the, the Eastern Conference, and I think that I still think that Milwaukee is the the better team bar none of those two. And then going to to the league, you know, it's going to be. You know, Golden State. Maybe Denver makes a push. We're gonna see some 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 contenders. Maybe you know John Morant with with Memphis. That that you know they've got a good squad. But um, I really, I really, I don't see many teams competing with Milwaukee to take that. Uh, well, that Eastern Conference, make it to the to the to the finals. Good thing Memphis is in the Western Conference then, because we don't have to worry about. Well, just talking about teams that that Milwaukee could face in the conference final or in the in the in the NBA finals, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of teams. There's a ton of teams that could come out of the West. I feel like there's only a few teams that could, could come out of the East. Yeah, and that's the way it was last year too, and this could be the way yep. it is for a while. But yep. so far, two games in, loving the Bucks. No more Brook Lopez trade talk. The dude's on fire. His back is healthy. Mm-hmm. Five blocks tonight. Three point machine. Just, you know, people were wanting to trade him last year, and that's dumb. Really, the only weaknesses on this team are their three-point defense and their lack of depth. But their depth will be fixed once Middleton and Connaughton come back. So, like I said, if they can remain in the top six spots in the East and then get fully healthy, this is a team that's going to compete for a title. One thousand, one thousand percent. Wait, how long is Pat, is Pat Connaughton out for? Do you know? I don't know how long he's out. I think it's a hamstring, but I'm not that, sure. I didn't realize that he was out. So that is another player that he's he's a solid catch and shoot three point perimeter player for the Milwaukee. Yes, so that's a a very that's a good point. Wow. So once they get their depth back, I think that there's no beating them. Well, that's been our episode of the Cheese Dad Sports Podcast. Again, my name's Robin. You can follow me on Twitter at TheOtherRobin19 and find my written work on WisconsinSportsHeroics.com and GridironHeroics.com. And I am McQuaid. You can find me on Twitter at McQuaidWArnold or you can find our work on Facebook at Wisconsin Sports Heroics. Our content is posted hourly, every hour, every single day. Go check it out. All right. Stay fearless, Wisconsin sports fans.